Hey, uh, open up to uh, Ephesians chapter 5. We're going to tackle maybe one or two verses tonight. <clears throat> We're going through the book of Ephesians, and kind of the theme of this year has been on relationships, because a lot of what we've been talking about in Ephesians has to do with relationships. And, uh, and so... Chapter 5 is where we're going to... Actually, take that back. Let's go to chapter 4, verse 31. Paul says, Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice, and be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving each other, just as God and Christ also has forgiven you. Now, last week we had looked at we looked at our words, we looked at the power of our words and uh, how our words can, um, can be used for blessing and, and uh, our speech, you know, how, we, how do we talk to one another. And verse 31 is sort of uh, packed with words that are speech-related, uh, words that speak of bitterness and being sharp and being annoyed and being wrathful and shouting. That's what verse 31 really is. He says, he says, all this bitterness and wrath, all this resentment, put that away from you, you know. Um, you know, um, put the, uh, uh, this anger away from you. That's not who you are. Now, sometimes it's who I am because sometimes I lack sleep or lack coffee or lack, lack patience, you know, but, but that's not who we are. As Christians, we are, God has made us entirely different. And sometimes we forget that. We forget that we have something that God has given us in his Son that the world does not have. God says that you're a new creation in Christ. There's something new. It's like if you're a superhero, but you don't realize your superpowers. <laughs> you, know, you think you're the same person, but you're not. There's an ability, there's something extra that you have that the world does not have. So Paul says, put those things away. It doesn't represent well who Christ is. But instead, verse 32, be kind to one another. Be kind. Tender-hearted. Uh, forgiving each other just as God in Christ also has forgiven you. Then he says, now verse 1 of chapter 5, therefore be imitators of God. When Paul says therefore, it's connecting both before, verse 32 and 31, with what's flowing afterwards. Okay? Therefore be imitators of God. Therefore, in one sense, as a summary, just like God is tenderhearted and forgiving, and kind, be like God in those ways. Emulate God. And we're going to spend a long time talking about that. But then also, he links, he says, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love. The word and there is actually kai, and it's actually on the same level as be imitators of God. In other words, just as God was tenderhearted, forgiving, you know, that kind of thing, he also is love. Walk in love. Just as Christ also loved you and gave himself up for us and an offering and a sacrifice to God as a fragrant aroma. Now, what he's going to do next, and we're not going to get into this tonight, he's going to contrast the way that God is, the way that we are to represent how God is, contrast with the way the world is. He's going to do, he's okay. now God loves in this way, the world loves in this other way. That's where he's going to go on verse, from verse 3 through uh, verse 14. Um, 
he says that immorality and impurity, let that not even be named among you. In other words, there's some things that, that shouldn't even be mentioned because it should not go on. We're not going to cover that tonight. But what Paul is doing here is, and the word that I want to put out there is the word influence. What Paul is doing here is, is saying, you are to be an influence. And the most dominant thing about you is to be an influence to the world about God. And the first thing is about his love. And we'll look at that tonight. So influence is one thing. And, and next week we'll look at influence is light as opposed, to, um, as opposed to darkness. There's three times in this section where Paul uses uh, the word walk. Look at verse 2. He says, walk in love. Then in verse 8 he says, walk as children of light. And then in verse 15, he says, Therefore, be careful how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise. So this really is a contrast between a Christian's way of living. That's the word walk. It means to, to how you care about yourself. A Christian's way of living versus the world's way of living. Love, light, and wise, basically. There's a distinction there. But that's not what we're going to talk about tonight. Tonight, we're going to look at, at verse 1 and 2. Because I couldn't, uh, I don't know about you, but I have a hard time going, I, I want to step on the gas pedal, but then I realize there's something important here. Paul says, therefore, be imitators of God. Okay, think, I want you to think about this real fast, or not fast, but think about a person in your life that has made the most, has made an impression on you in the Lord. Is there a person that you can think of that you have, like, as you think about your Christian life, there's somebody that stands out that has that high watermark in your head. That there's, a, there's something distinctive about that person, okay, as a, as a Christian, that you're like, okay, that person, something about that changed my life, okay? Paul says, be imitators of God as beloved children. Be imitators of God. I bet you that that person you thought of had something about God that, that, that spoke to you in some way. Um, I can think of a few people. Um, my grandmother, my mom's mom, my mom, I still remember as a little boy, my m- grandmother read a lot. She was, she was a nurse and she was a voracious reader. She probably could have been a nun or something, you know, she was really dev- you know, devout. But I remember asking her when I was young, I probably told this story before, I remember I was crying. You know, as a little boy crying, you know, whatever it was. And I must have been, I don't know, six years old maybe, I don't know, maybe younger. And I said, Grandma, why do we stop crying? Because I noticed that, you know, you cry and then you stop crying. And I still remember being in her bedroom and she had books stacked everywhere and she had, you know, holy stuff, you know. And, and my grandma said, the Holy Spirit comforts us. Now, I had, I had never read First Corinthians or the Bible or 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 John, or whatever, but the Holy Spirit by being a comforter. But I still remember those words of my grandmother. I still remember how my grandmother, the way she lived her life. I think of some mentors in my life that, I think of one particular mentor that taught me to enjoy the presence of God right now. He taught me to to that, that if Christ was with me always, he's with me right now. That we would go on walks together and he would just start singing and praise. And here I am 
And we're walking along. And he had asked the Lord one time, what can I do to serve you more, Lord? And, and the Lord told him, pick up the garbage in front of you. So he would pick up the garbage. I still remember that. We'd go for walks. That was our time together. There's other people I can think of. But you get my point. There's certain people that stand out. Paul says, be imitators of God as beloved children. <clears throat> sometimes, sometimes, you know, people can say it a lot of words including myself, right? Blah, 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 blah. But it's the example that we see that, that makes more of an impact than the words we hear. It's the life that's lived out and, and it's demonstrated. Paul says, be imitators of God. Now, the word imitator there is the word uh, mimetai or mimetase. We get the word mimic, and it's this is the, actually the only place in, in Scripture or New Testament where it says be imitators of God. There's other things that say, you know, be holy like God is holy. Um, Jesus says, I say, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be sons of your Father. That's kind of similar, but it doesn't you know, say exactly be imitators of God. Paul says elsewhere, hey, imitate me as I imitate Christ. Follow my example, right? Jesus says, you know, I've done this. I've, I've washed these, your, your feet to show you an example. Now follow that example. So this is the only place that says be imitators of God. So I'm thinking, okay. And one day I would say, well, that's easy. Right? I, that's, on the other hand, it's not. We, we can say it. Let's, oh, yeah, it's so easy. We just got to do this, that, and the other. But let's think about this for a second. Let's step back for a second. Who are we talking about? I mean, how, how do you begin to imitate the one that Isaiah says, I saw the Lord, and he was highly and exalted. And the, the train of his robe filled the temple, and there was smoke, and there's angels around him crying out, holy, holy, holy is Lord God Almighty. I mean, how do you begin to imitate a God whom the angels would cover themselves with their wings so as to not distract from the presence and the glory of God. And he's holy, holy, holy. How do you imitate that? In the book of Job, uh, he says, it's not Job, it's one of his uh, friends talking, and he says something that's true. He says, he says, can you discover the depths of God? Can you discover the limits of the Almighty? They are as high as the heavens, what can you do? And they are deeper than Sheol, what can you know? In other words, God is way, 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 he's otherworldly, so to speak. How do you begin to imitate that? Or when Peter uh, sees Jesus who, 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 who calms the winds and the wave and, and Jesus says, or, or he catches the fish, I forget which one it is, and he, he says, away from me, Lord, I'm a sinful man. How do you imitate that, that God? See, I think what happens in our, and we so, we bring God down to our level. We brought him down to our level. We made him manageable. We made him controllable. If I do this, if I say this prayer and do these steps, then God will do what I want him to do like he's a genie. And we try to control God. We have him figured out. We have God figured out. We have the Bible figured out. There's nothing you can teach me new about God or the Bible. I know it. I've heard it all. I've been to church before. And we kind of make it. Now we're bored. And God says, whoa, whoa. Revelation 1 Verse 17, John sees the Lord. I'll just read it to you. 
He says, when I saw him, I fell at his feet like a dead man. How do you imitate God when you look at him and you fall down like that? How, do you, how in the world do you imitate God in that way? We will fall down like him. How do you imitate a God who is, who is spirit? Who is, who is self-existent? In other words, God doesn't need, he, God is, innov- he is, I can't imitate self-existence. How many of you guys ate today? Okay, God doesn't have to eat. How many of you guys slept last night? I didn't sleep really well, but I, yeah, we, if, I don't, if you don't get sleep, you're not going to survive long, right? God doesn't need to sleep. God doesn't need anything. How do you imitate a God who's entirely self-existent? That seems, utterly, that seems so foreign to us. He's independent of creation. He has no origin. He has no one accountable. He's nobody's accountable to God. How do you imitate that? How about somebody that's eternal? All of us have had a birthday, right? And unfortunately, all of us are going to die. No matter how many pills you're going to take, no matter how many, whether it's gluten-free or or vegetarian or or this pill or that diet, you're all going to die. I I know it's, okay, listen, listen. That's a downer, that's, I know, I know. Um, we, we, are, we, are, we try really hard to, um, to avoid that, right? What's it, the saying that goes that says two things are certain in life, death and taxes? Death and taxes are two. I mean, you can look at, at Genesis 5 and he goes through a list of, and Adam lived 900 years or something, or something and then he died. And so-and-so lived 800 years and then he died. And so-and-so lived 700 years. years. Hundreds, of, hundreds of years and they all died. There's a common thread in that verse, that chapter. They all died. God doesn't die. He doesn't, he doesn't even experience time the way we experience it. He sees it all at once. The beginning from the end. He says, I'm the Alpha and I'm the Omega. We go through succession of time. We have today, we're not tomorrow yet. Some of us are worried about tomorrow because we're worried about our kids going to school maybe. Or moving to a house or paying the bills where we worry about. We, God doesn't have that worry. How do you relate? To, how do you imitate somebody that is everywhere at the same time in every way? He's omnipresent. He's everywhere. Some of us feel like we're omnipresent, don't we? Right? We're pulled in all kinds of directions, and no matter where we go, we have some crazy thing reminding us that we're still approachable and reachable, don't we? Right? little cell phone. I hate this stupid thing, you know? (laughs) Because we are not like God in that sense. We are not limitless. We are finite. He is infinite. He has no beginning. He has no spatial limitations. How do you imitate that? I don't know the things that God knows. I wish I did. And sometimes I act like I know. He knows everything. Sometimes I live my life like I know not just about my life, but I know about your life. And I know how to tell you how to live. I pretend like I'm God. And I tell certain people, hey, this is what you should do, and this is what you should do. And I'm like, I have knowledge because I've been to seminary or something, and I'm, you know, whatever, you know. We don't have the knowledge. 
that's in God's territory. It's a good thing to let God be God in certain aspects, right? Because we want him to be God. We want him to know everything. We want him to, to understand everything. And I'm okay with that. Too much knowledge would be bad for us, wouldn't it? It would, blow, it would blow our circuits, literally, right? It would be overwhelming to us. God protects us from, from too much information. He's, he's, he's holy. He's, he doesn't change either. How do you imitate a God who doesn't? Now, come on. How many guys change? Yeah, this is why we're here, because we want to change, don't we, right? Because we're not where we think we ought to be. God doesn't change. He's perfect. He, he doesn't change his mind, or he doesn't change his character, he doesn't change his attributes, he doesn't change his, his promises. There's certain things about God that does not change. How many of you ladies say to your wife, honey, do you love me? How many of you got ladies want to hear that from your husband more than just on your anniversary and Valentine's Day? You know, the two, the two days a man should never, ever, 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 ever forget. Valentine's Day and anniversary. Because you know if you forget those days, Mother's Day, okay, leave it to a young lady, God bless her, <laughs> I forgot the, yeah, so I, see, that proves my point, yeah, you guys get my point, there are certain things about God we can't imitate, and just remember that, because obviously Paul is not referring to all those things, but those things need to be kept in mind, because we're dealing with a God that is holy utterly different than us and he is God now he does say though and he does command therefore be imitators of God which implies since it is a command and implies that something is possible about that command it is possible to in some sense imitate him in some sense to be like him we are created in his image so in one sense we already imitate him as Christians, we have this Holy Spirit indwelling in us, and He's changed our nature so that we have been born again. We have a new nature within us, and there's something about us that's different. So, in one sense, there is a way that is possible, and also we know as Christians we depend on the Holy Spirit to live the life of Christ through us. Lord, live your life through me. So, and I was going to bring, um, I was going to bring, I have a little statue, you guys seen it at my house, it's a, it's a statue that I bought in Israel that was, um, it's, a, it's Jesus carrying the cross. He's like this, he's carrying the cross. I, I just was, as I was thinking about this verse and meditating on it and just observing it or thinking about it, I was like, okay Lord, I know I can't do all the other stuff, but I can see something in Christ. How do you imitate somebody? Well, I have a father-in-law. My, my, where's my wife? Where'd she go? She left me. <laughs> my father-in-law is from, is from, uh, is from Norway. <clears throat> and Sharon and I have been married for 20 years. I've known her for a couple, we dated for a couple years before that. So I've known her father-in-law, my father-in-law for 20 some odd years. I had the hardest time imitating his accent. He has an accent that is like, very difficult to, but I haven't really tried, right? I've tried, but sometimes I can, I'll, I'll imitate him. Um, I'll, I'll, if, if you want to imitate somebody, you've got to observe them, don't you? 
You've, you've got to watch them, don't you? If you want to imitate somebody, Joshua does a very good imitation of Donald Trump. And I, 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 I won't put him on stage, but it's very good. <laughs> like that. He's very good because he's watched enough videos of the president speaking. But if you want to, or the question I'm asking is, is what do you need to do to imitate somebody? You need to observe them. You need to have them at your, at your you need to observe them, right? Um, and if you really want to get good, you need to really watch them and, and sort of mirror and mimic them. Sometimes Joshua would do that. He'll, he'll, you ever play that game when you're a kid when you copy the person, your mom or dad, and drive your parents crazy, you know? You would say the same, yeah, you re- repeat the same thing that they're saying. That's what, you know, and... You learn that way, though. If you want to do something new, the, one of the best ways is to imitate somebody because you sort of learn what's possible. When, you're, when uh, a pastor is coming out of Bible college, so he might imitate famous people. He likes he, his favorite preachers. He might try to do the same thing because he's learning his craft until he gets comfortable and he understands his own strengths and weaknesses and giftings, but it's a good thing. We might observe, you know, uh, as we think about Christ, what he's like. If you want to imitate somebody, you have to be dedicated to doing that, don't you? It's something you have to be intentional about. It has to be consistent. And guess what? It's going to take practice. Now, some of us like to live in a complete immediate world. I want to have it done like now, right? Alyssa is learning how to drive, okay? She's going through driving school. She could, thank God for driving school because parents, you te- teach your kids how to drive, that could be like World War Three in your car or something. <laughs> so she's learning a lot of things. She's learning about the rules of the road. She's learning to do different things. And so now it comes time for us to practice with her I'll say, now, listen, you need to look for this. Dad, I know. I know that, Dad. As if, you know, as if she's been driving for 40 years and she has her permit. Not her license, but her permit. I'm like, okay. You know intellectually, but you don't know practically. There are some things, and I told her, I said, there are some things that will come second nature to you without you thinking about it because you've done it. So you have mes- muscle memory, so to speak. You do something enough times, it becomes repetitive so that just by second nature. She hasn't done that yet. When we're looking to imitate God, it's as if we're still in our permit phase. And for the rest of eternity, it's going to be still learning and growing in that. Because here you have a God who's early different than us. It's never going to be a point where we've mastered what it's like to be like Christ or like the Father. But we know we're in that right direction. And that's the goal. Because he's infinite. He's God. We will constantly learn of him. But it takes practice. You have to be dedicated to it. You have to be consistent with it. Jesus says that the one who hears his words and puts his words into practice is the wise builder. Some of us, nobody in here, of course, some of us have heard thousands of Bible studies. 
We've gone to church Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, women's, men's, retreats, everything else, and we listen to Dr. So-and-so on tape every day, and, we're like, and guess what? Our lives are the same, because we know everything up here, but we haven't taken and practiced what we're learning. And my challenge tonight is to say, no, be imitators of God, practice something in God that you see. Now, we'll get into more detail in a second. You have to be willing. You have to have desire. That means you have to be willing to say, I'm here, and this is how I've lived my life. I've approached problems this way, and I'm in the same rut every single time. I do the same thing. Situations come, I deal, I, I'm afraid, and so I'll run away or retreat. I do the same thing over again. The same record. How many of you guys remember records? Okay. Sometimes records, you know, Alyssa, we got her a record player, right? She doesn't realize that you get to put the needle on gently because you know what happens. You don't, it scratches. Then what happens with the scratch? It jumps or sometimes it goes, you know, it's the same thing. It's like a merry-go-round. It's going nowhere. It's, it's just in a groove that just can't get out of. If you want to go from where you're at to being imitators of God, there has to be a willingness to change what you're doing and, what, and how you're thinking. Because if all you're thinking is still leading to where you've been, something has to change. I have to rethink how I think about this. You know, and when I'm studying this, guys, I'll be honest, when I'm studying this, when I'm studying this, my prayer is, God, apply this to me because I want to learn. I want to grow. I don't want to, you know, I don't want to be this to broadcaster and just talk in the air. I want to learn this. I want to grow. So we have to be willing. Some of us have, be, have to be willing to trust. Okay, God, this is different for me. I, I don't know how that's going to go, but this is, okay, that's how you grow. I don't, you know, that's, we have to be humble. It means, okay, I don't have to figure it out, God. I don't know really how, know how to drive. I know intellectually I have a whole lot of tapes on it and sermons on it, but practically I haven't put anything to practice. I'm willing to do that. I have books on exercise. I have books, books on diet, but I don't diet or exercise. So <laughs> I'm going to start doing that. I have to believe that it is possible to go from mere mortals to somebody that's walking like Jesus. Here's the goal. The goal is that I want to be an influence in the world for Christ. I know, how many of you guys have ever seen Jesus in, fa- in the face? Nobody. How many of you guys have been Jesus to somebody else, though? How many of you guys have encountered someone that says, there's something different about that person, and I, I kind of like that. There's, there's, I see Jesus in that person. <clears throat> I was in college. There was a, a group I was part of that, um, I was sort of getting into the you know, Bible studies, and we were a tight group. And there was a few people, there was one particular um, person that, <clears throat> um, uh, that, had, that had something, uh, there was, a, uh, was a, a classmate, a lady, no, nothing romantic, nothing like that, just I was sort of like coming into the Lord and I had never met somebody that had a love for people like this person. I was like, everywhere we went as a group, we always were with a group, this person loved everyone. I was like, I want what she has. I want the Jesus this person has. Right? That's the goal. Being imitators of God so that we reflect and broadcast and say, hey, Jesus can't be here in the flesh, but guess what? I'm here in his stead, 
And if you see me, you see Christ. That's the goal. Now, it's, those are big shoes to fill. That's why we humbly. So, we, imitators of God, we want to grow closer to God. We want to grow more intimate with God. But now, Paul says, here are some areas you can grow like God. He says, verse, verse 32, be kind to one another. Maybe you want to focus on being kind. Let's say, Go, Lord, help me to be kind. Help, help my kindness. Or tender hearted. Or forgiving. Those are good areas we want to control on. God, God is kind to people. He's tender-hearted to people. He's compassionate. Some people see God as being a harsh, fatherly judge figure looking for all the wrongs that you're doing, right? Have you guys ever seen, think of God that way? That God is ready to scold you. I'm being like God when I'm scolding you. You know, like I'm a nun or something with the, with the ruler and say, whoosh. I don't get the sense that that's how Jesus was. Because you know why? Because the sinners like to be in around Jesus. There's something about Jesus that was inviting to them, yet they also knew that their lives had to be different. They felt comfortable around him. There was the guys who were so uptight looking for problems. You're eating on the Sabbath. Oh, you're working on the Sabbath. You're breathing on the Sabbath. And he says, <laughs> chill out, guys. Now, Paul says, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love. Walk in love. If we're going to pick something to imitate, and if you want to imitate somebody, you can't imitate everything. Let's pick something. You can pick his kindness. You can pick his forgiveness. I want to focus on his love because I want to learn something about God's love through Christ to change my life. Does it make sense? What can we learn from Christ's love? Because he says, walk in love just as Christ also loved you and gave himself up for us an offering and sacrifice to God as a fragrant aroma. Watchman Nee uh, writes, he says, God will answer all of our questions in one way and one way only, namely by showing us more of his Son. God will answer our questions in one way and one way only, by, namely by showing us more of his son. So Lord, help me to focus on Christ. Let him be my example. Some of us need examples to live by, don't we? We say, be like so-and-so. Well, I'm going to hang out with some, so-and-so. Some of it, God says, Paul says, listen, be imitators of me. It means watch my life. Some of us, God has used in people's lives to be mentors. There are young people younger in the faith who are looking for help. How many of you guys learn by seeing and doing? Some of us learn by hearing, right? My brother-in-law, he, can, he went to high school or college and he didn't take any notes. He's an auditory uh, um, learner. He wouldn't take any notes. Brilliant guy. Everything he heard, he remembered. Some of us learn by seeing and doing and watching you know, you observe how a person handles situation. Some of us have, have mentors in our life that have been hugely helpful, right? And we remember back when situations come up, we remember, oh, so-and-so handled it that way. That speaks to me. Well, what do we learn from example of, from Christ? Who did Christ love? He says, walk in love just as Christ loved you or loved us. Depends on the, the translation. Who did Christ love? How can we learn from Christ's example? Well, first of all, he loves the unlovable, doesn't he? He loves the unlovable, doesn't he? 
He doesn't love like some of the game shows or some of the, you know, those shows, you know, where you're, what's the one where the, the, the Bachelor, Bachelorette, you know, you're, you're, you're doing all your stuff to try to win somebody's heart. You know, that's nonsense. He loves the unlovable. He loves the person that everybody else rejects. He loves the weirdos. <clears throat> Come on. He loves the one who's undeserving of love. Oh, the person we think has gone too far, and they've, now they're cut off. And Jesus Christ is the one who goes across the, 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 the universe to seek and save the, that which is lost. He, he, he loves the person that everybody else gives up on. You know the scene where he's walking across, he's in, the, he's in the boat, and there's a storm, and he's sleeping, and he, disciples are like, wake us up, you know, Lord, wake, wake up, we're going to die. And Jesus is like, okay, stop. He gets to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, and guess what? He's greeted by some guys, demon-possessed, right? Guys demon-possessed with thousand demons, right? They couldn't chain him up. They put him somewhere where they couldn't have to deal with him anymore. They gave him, they tried everything, the therapy, the medicine, whatever else they had, and they finally gave up, and they said, we're done with you. Jesus goes and makes a beeline for this guy and sets him free. He loves the ones who nobody else wants to love. He loves the imperfect ones. Sometimes we think we have to be perfect to earn his love. Or we're too sinful. We've submitted that one sin that, no, that, that Christ cannot love us anymore. We've reached the limits of his love, you know. And sometimes some of us try to find that limit, don't we? Lord, will you love me if I do this? Yes, I, but you don't want to do that. If you could find the edge of outer space, you still can't find the edge of God's love. He loves those who may not even love him in return. Now that is radical love. Because I don't know about you, if I love somebody, I kind of want them to love me back, don't you? It's hard to have love not being reciprocated, isn't it? It's hard to have love that's being rejected, isn't it? But Christ loves those who still, re- he says, he's on the cross. He says, Father, forgive them. I'm dying on the cross for these people who are putting me, they're nailing me to the cross, and I still love them. And they have no idea, and they will not return that love back. He loves those who may have different opinions. Some of us only love Democrats, and some of us only love Republicans. Some of us love Cardinals fans only, and not Dallas fans. Cowboys, that is. That's a hard, that, those are hard people to love. Those Dallas Cowboy fans, you know. <laughs> some of us have a hard time if somebody does not agree with us and most things, and we have a hard time loving that person, or even wanting to like them. And Christ says, I love them too. Come on, Lord. Don't you know who they are? He loves those who are confused, the ones who are rejected. He loves the ones who are doubting, who are troubled. He loves those who have been abused. Sometimes those who have been abused feel very unloved. They feel very wounded. He loves those who actually have been divorced. Some people's book, Divorce is the Unpardonable Sin. No, God loves, he loves everyone, right? He loves those who are 
prideful and humble. He loves those who are wasteful. Christ loves in ways that I have yet to begin to appreciate or emulate. I'm still over here, and he's my example. Okay, Lord, help me out with that. Okay, how does Christ love? I was having a conversation with Joshua, and I don't have to give money for use illustration, but, you know, we haven't made that deal yet. We haven't signed a contract, but... Christ's love with action. Like this definition of love. Love is not a feeling. Love is an action. Yes, you have feelings of love, but love is primarily an action. God so loved the world that he what? Gave his only... That's the action. Love is always demonstrated. Yes, you, get, you write nice notes to your wife or your husband or whatever. You give him flowers on Valentine's Day or your birthday. Or, you know, you do the nice things. You do those, but you also do things to demonstrate your love for your, for your spouse. Christ demonstrates his love for us. He loves by his action. He says, just as Christ loved you and gave... And what does he give? He gives himself. What does that mean? It, he gives his time. How do we love like Christ? You give time. He gives energy. He gives effort. He gives resources. He gives, he, he gives of himself. See, there's the contrast between God's way of loving and the world's way of loving. God's way of loving is always giving. The world's way of loving is always taking. I love you for what I can take from you. And that's how the world... See, that's what Paul is talking about in verses 3 through the rest there. But immorality and all these sexual stuff, it's all because I'm taking and I'm getting, I'm using you for what I can get out of you for my own satisfaction. That's how the world loves. Christ loves the opposite way. He gives himself to better you. He, 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 he loves by giving himself intentionally, unconditionally, and to the end. He gives himself up for us as an offering and a sacrifice. It's a forgiving love. It's a love that forgives. It's a, it's a love that, that, that is demonstrative. It's a voluntary love. Nobody tells Christ he has to do this, but he does it because he wants to. Some people say, I think I should do this for some per- person. God says, no, no. Take the should out and say want to. Christ does this because he wants to. We are to imitate Christ's love because it's a pure love. Like a sacrifice that's offered to God, it had to be pure. It is a love that's forgiving. In fact, uh, author and commentator and scholar John Stott says uh, he has a friend that was the head of a large mental hospital in England. And this, uh, this head of this mental hospital said this. He says, I could dismiss half of my patients tomorrow if they could be assured of forgiveness. Half of my patients in the mental hospital could be released if they could be assured that they're forgiven. Most of what people go through in mental, and it has to do with forgiveness and understanding, and being forgiven and understand that they are forgiven. That's huge. We are to imitate God's love and Christ's love through our sacrifice, through giving ourselves, and it's a, a, a genuine, faithful, complete love. He says, it's an offering, a sacrifice to God. I'm, I'm picturing in my mind's eye is Christ carrying that cross, okay? 
Christ is carrying the cross. You see the image? I see a humble person. God does God in his humility doing this. Just doing this loving, doing what it takes to love this person. Um to say not my needs but their needs are more important. That's what love does. That's radical. That is rattled. That is so contrary to the way the world thinks, the way our society is. It's all about me, 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 me. Please me, right? What's in it for me? I'll be there if it's good for me. Oh, I'm so sorry. I got something else better that's better for me, right? Come on, right? But here's Christ humbly going to the cross, seeking the needs of, of, of others, of filling them with God's love, and he uses no words. Yes, he spoke before with his words, but at this time he's speaking, he's speaking through his action, and his words have already been, de- have been backed by his action. He demonstrates his love. He's, do you know how many times God says, I love you in the scriptures? Now, we know, we know God loves us, right? We, right, we know God loves us. Okay, we know that God loves us, right? Okay, but the word where God says, I love you, I can think of once. Right, in Isaiah. One time were the words, I love you. Now, whoa, come on, God. But how many times does God demonstrate love for us? It's from, it's the whole Genesis Revelation. It tells me something. That God is really more concerned about demonstrating love than is... See, some people are just full of words, you know? Hot air. Yeah. Nice, nice hot air. But I'll believe it when I see it kind of thing. And Christ is that. He's, he's, he, he loves humbly. He loves with a quiet kind of love. He, he loves with the love that, that fills people's needs. And this is how he displays God. And he challenges me, he, John... Why not, instead of worrying about how holy and omnipresent and omniscient God is, why don't you focus on love? And how about this? How about you focus on being kind to those who are unkind to you, to be prayerful to, the, to your enemies, to love people, and to seek out how to help them out? That's a challenge to me. Because I know if I want to follow Christ, I have to get off my merry ground of how I do my life. Right? I have to get off that and say, and I have to take a risk. Oh, they're unlovable. Oh, they're hugely difficult people, God. How, Lord, how did you do this? These people are really hard to love. You know, can I go back on the merry-go-round and just pretend like we did this? No, it takes, it takes risk. But the love you have for people is the love that God provides. The Holy Spirit has poured out his love within us. You depend on him to supply the love, but you go in obedience and say, I'm in obedience, going to love this person. Does any of this make sense? Of course it's making sense. It's about God. It's about love, right? You can't, if you're teaching the Bible, you can't wrong about, about Jesus, God, or love, right? So, so, so there you go. Christ, um, uh, Jesus displays God through his love. Of course, John says, no one has seen God at any time, but the only begotten God who is in the bosom of the Father, he has explained him, or he has exegeted him, or he has revealed him. I love what, John, what Jesus says. He says, listen, 
Truly, truly, I say to you that the Son can do nothing of Himself and that this is something that He sees the Father doing. For whatever the Father does, these the Son does also in like manner. Jesus is an imitator of God. He is God, but He emulates God. He says, the Father does this, I'm going to do this. I've seen the Father say this, I'm going to do this. Let's be like Jesus. What would Jesus do kind of thing, Right? If you didn't tell somebody that you were a Christian, would they know that you're a Christian by how you treat them? Would it surprise them if you went to work and say, I'm a Christian? What? Would it surprise them? Or would they say, or would they say, yeah, I, I thought so, because of the way you treat people? Would it be a shock to them or would it confirm their suspicions? Francis Chan uh, tells a story um, and I'll close with this, and of a, um, about a man named Vaughn who radiated the love of Christ to everyone around him. This is talking about somebody that reflects Christ. He says, A few years ago, a missionary came to our church and told a beautiful story about sharing the gospel with a remote tribe in Papua New Guinea. At the end of the story, this missionary said, I should really give credit to Vaughn my former youth pastor who loved me and inspired me to live for Christ and share the gospel with others. The next week, another, game, another guy came to our church. This is uh, um, Francis speaking. Came to our church, and he ch- challenged us to starting sponsoring kids in poverty. And the, sec- the second speaker also concluded by saying, I'm involved in this ministry because of my youth pastor, a guy named Vaughn. I found out that those two guys were from the same youth group. Then, the next week, another speaker named Dan told us about his ministry at a rescue mission in the inner city of of Los Angeles. After Dan's talk, I casually mentioned, you know, it's so weird. These last two weeks, both of our speakers mentioned how much impact their youth pastor, Vaughn, had on them. Dan looked surprised, and then he told me, I know Vaughn. He's a pastor in San Diego now, and he takes people into the dumps of Tijuana where kids are picking through the garbage. I was just with Vaughn in Tijuana. We would walk in the city, and these kids would run up to him, and he would show such deep love and affection uh, from them. He'd hug them and and gave gifts and food to them. He figured out how, how to get them showers. And Francis, Francis it's, it was eerie. The whole time I was walking with Vaughn, I kept thinking, if Jesus was on earth, I think this is what I would feel if I, walk, if I were walking. I'll see this again. If Jesus was on earth, I think this is what I would feel to walk with him. In other words, as I'm walking with Vaughn, I'm thinking, if, I, if Christ was on this earth, I would feel the same way by walking with He just loved everyone he ran into, and he would tell them about God. About God. People were just drawn to his love and affection. And then Dan said this, the day I spent with Vaughn was the closest thing I've ever experienced to walking with Jesus. Francis Chan says, hearing this made me think, would anyone in their right mind say that about me? Would anyone say that about you? And as I thought about this, I prayed, Lord, that's what I want. I don't want to be the best speaker in the world. That doesn't matter. I don't want to be the most intelligent person on the planet. That's not what I want to be known for. I want to be known for someone who says, wow, he's a lot like Jesus. Paul says, be imitators of God as beloved children. 
just as Christ loved you and gave himself up for us, an offering and sacrifice to God, fragrant aroma. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word, and we thank you for Jesus. Lord, thank you that Jesus is our example to follow, God. We want to imitate you, God, and we want to follow Christ's example in that. Lord, I pray, Lord, personally, Lord, I pray, help me, Lord, to learn to be like Jesus, Lord, to emulate him in the way he treats people. Help me to treat people the same way, in the way he he prays for people, in the way he has compassion on people. Lord, help me to be like Jesus and to, to walk in such a way, to live in such a way, Lord. And I know this is everyone's prayer in here, Lord, that that, they, that people would encounter us and feel like that they're walking with Jesus, that we would so reflect Christ in a humble and pure way that the love of Christ would shine through us, Lord, that he would get the glory and people's lives would be changed because there's something different about who we have. And we thank you, Jesus. We praise you, Lord. In your name we pray, amen.